When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio, Oilers. 630 Chad. The Columbus Blue Jackets are now in possession of the second longest winning streak in the history of the NHL. Sole possession, 16 in a row. Just one behind the 1992-93 Pittsburgh Penguins who won 17 straight. Tonight's final, in thoroughly dominating fashion, the Blue Jackets knock off your Edmonton Oilers 3-1, a game where the Oilers were... Close on the scoreboard for most of it, but never that close when it came to territory and scoring chances. Thanks for joining us tonight. Overtime open line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Center presented by the Canadian Brew House. My name is Reed Wilkins, former NHLer and Pittsburgh Penguin. Rob Brown is here. Rob, not a member of that Penguins team that won all those games in a row. We knew this was going to be a tough one for the Oilers. We were hoping they would rise to the occasion, but it was Columbus in control all the way. Yeah, Columbus came out. They knew that the Oilers had been playing well as of late, uh, either winning or garnering points in what, nine of their last ten. And the Columbus Blue Jackets came out right from the beginning and, and pushed the pace, and the Oilers weren't able to keep up. Uh, one of the things that the Oilers have done where they've found success is when they're able to roll four lines, and they've usually been able to out line change the opposition. Well, not tonight. The Columbus Blue Jackets, they have four very good lines. They rolled them all night long, and they were the better team. Uh, the score, as you say, was flattering to the Oilers because the, 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 I don't remember you know, three or four scoring chances that the Oilers had throughout the game, whereas Cam Talbot was kept very, very busy in his end. Yeah, 3-1 your final tonight, so obviously no Japanese Village goal light. The Oilers have to get to five in a game for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown south side and north side. Before we get to the phone lines here, and you can get us at 780-496-0063, let's address the Benoit Pouliot giveaway that led to the Columbus third goal. And again, wasn't close in territory. At least the Oilers had a puncher's chance on the scoreboard really until that point. They did. You know, the Oilers came out in the third period, down one. They they probably should have been behind by more, but Talbot had given them an opportunity to get back in the game and had momentum. The first couple shifts, they had a couple good shifts. They re- rejigged all their lines. It was a complete mismatch out there, but they got some momentum going, and all of a sudden, uh, it was. I can't remember the defenseman, but the defenseman makes the play to Pouliot, which is a great outlet pass, and Pouliot just had a brain cramp, and he could have skated the puck out, he could have bounced it off his boards to the centerman who had skated past him, was giving him support. Or he could have just f- hammered off the boards and got it out. Instead, he tries going cross ice. And the only player in the vicinity was Felino of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Felino, if he's not the best Blue Jacket, he's in their top two. And when you give an opportunity like you gave him there, he's not going to miss. He walks in and puts it top shelf on Talbot. And then and there, the game ended. Because the Columbus Blue Jackets were not going to give up a two-goal lead. The Blue Jackets power play best in the NHL. Good again tonight. It goes two for four. It was two for five in the game in December against the Oilers. Edmonton's power play 0 for three with just one shot on goal. Pretty much any stat you want to look at, and most of you saw the game as it is already. It was it's uh, it's all Columbus tonight. They're proving it night after night, 16 in a row. We have Ray on the phone line this evening. Hi, Ray. Hi. Uh, I saw the game tonight. 
just uh, some observations I've been making. The last couple games, actually, I've been watching. I'm really having a lot of trouble with uh, with the matchups you're laying out on the ice for our side. I just something's not clicking there. Like it hasn't been clicking for a while, and they're still trying to find it, trying to find it. It's not there. I don't know what's going on there with the coaching or what's been happening. But I don't put it all on the players, but I do put on a couple of players there that I'm tired of this. Should we trade them? Should we not trade them? We should trade them. We should not wait no more. This is enough. These guys, a couple of them had a couple of years, three years here. They're not. All right, out. Ray, I'm going to stop you right there. And Rob and I are going to ask you the same question that we ask everybody who gives your complaint. And I understand you're frustrated. If yeah. you if you don't want the player, then who wants them? I mean, everybody in the league has oh, seen I, Benoit Pouliot give the puck away and take offensive zone penalties. I'm and he's, not so concerned about Benoit. I really wasn't. That was a like he says a brain cramp. Benoit's a good player. Well, Benoit hasn't a been a that are good player. Benoit hasn't been a good good player all year long. He's and he's making four million dollars a yeah. year. He's got yeah, five exactly. points or six points. Uh, the problem is got like, another player there making six million dollars a year, and I I haven't seen much of him at all. And which one? Which one are you talking about? I'm talking about Lucic. You're talking about Lucic. What, what has he done? Like I don't see him. Well, <laughs> for what he's supposed to be, has he shown us anything? Well, I and I, this I've said the same thing from the beginning of the season. I've said it last game. Milan Lucic has given you exactly what he's given every year. He's a 25 goal scorer. He's a 55 point getter. He's on pace for the exact same that he always gets. He he'll throw. He'll have about three or four fights a season. Uh, this is Milan Lucic. This is. We paid six million. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's Ray, not it's, it's not just for what he does on the ice. Ray, and, and Connor McDavid has talked about it. it it's the the off ice stuff too. He's he's right. a leader in that yeah. dressing room. This is yeah, but I don't see the fire under anyone's light 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 the fire under these guys. Like they don't well, come out with the pass that they should. Either but I, game. I don't see it. Yeah, but okay. The Oilers had a bad game tonight, but the Oilers well, are in a playoff spot. This is a team that hasn't been in the playoff spot for ten years. They're they're three point more gumption. Hmm. This this they play with a little more. Gumption in them, you know, like they don't come out with that desire that I, I don't see the desire. But uh, up until okay, okay, thanks, Ray. We appreciate the call. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Dan on the line. Hey, Dan. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well. Um, you uh, previous caller, or you were talking about Pouliot, and um, you know, I didn't think he had a horrible game, maybe in the first two periods, but I don't get why does he get a shot with McDavid. To me, that makes zero sense. Um, actually, I was a little surprised, uh, especially <laughs> especially the way it's gone this year for Pouliot. He, I mean, it's been a struggle. I mean, he'll be the first to tell you that has not been anywhere near what he had expected out of himself. Uh, I think that I, I'm guessing the coaching staff is looking and said, okay, we've tried this line, it didn't work. We've tried this line, it didn't work. And they're just grasping for straws right now as to who to put with Connor McDavid. And that's, uh, that's the other thing, too. I mean, we're 40 games in, halfway through the year. Why why don't we have lines? Why why can't we have lines? Well, I, I mean, the, the, the others have had, you know, uh, I mean, the Everly-Lucic-McDavid line had a long stretch. A long stretch. That's the line they hoped would have success, and it, it, and it hasn't. I mean, Connor's got, what, five assists in his last ten games now. That's not no, Connor McDavid-type stats. To me, if, if, if I'm doing it, I have Dreisaitl playing with McDavid. I've said it from the very first day of training camp. I believe he's the only player on the team that can see the game the same as Connor McDavid. The only problem putting him there 
is you've loaded up one line. Because Leon Dreisaitl makes all the lines he's on better. But to oh, me, only, to me, he's the best player to play on play with Connor McDavid. The only thing I'm seeing there, and you know, we we can all be coaches or whatever, but when when I see Dry Dreisaitl, he can take a maroon, he can take a Kajula, he can he can own his own line and make guys better. And it seemed like when we were winning, we were rolling the three centers. And, you know, Nuge, his line was kind of the the black hole or whatever. They weren't doing anything. But, you know, you had McDavid's line and Dreisaitl's line. Mm -hmm. It was going. And then it seemed like, I don't know what happened. It was one loss or two two in a row, and McClellan blew it up again. And... I just think this is unsustainable. You know, we're we're never going to be able to get on a roll. And I'm not saying we have to win, you know, 10 in a row or whatever, but can we at least win, you know, three out of four here, four out of five there, and keep it somewhat consistent? It seems like they, they have no chemistry. What we have, 15 shots? Okay, but you okay, know? if you're if you're the coach tonight and they, they started the line, it was Maroon, McDavid, and Eberle, would you have let them play the whole game as a line? I probably would have, yeah. Well, the problem I mean, is we did they, nothing after but, after it got mixed up. We scored zero goals. But zero the shot, goals the shots we were the, the well. I'm sure that the coaching staff looking. The shots were 12-4 after one with the lines that they put together. That's why he switched the line, started switching the lines up. The 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 Oilers were not in the game in the first period, at all. So that's when he started flipping the lines around. Dan, we're gonna finish the play with you. You can qualify for the grand prize draw, $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Here we go. But Cam Talbot is giving Edmonton a chance to hang around here. Down just one nothing. early second period. A lot of time. Up the right-hand side, here's Jordan Everly. Busting through center, point-per-game player for his career against Columbus. In front, shot. All right. That is the Oilers' goal. Dan, who scored it? Oscar Clough. But Cam Talbot is giving Edmonton a chance to hang around here. Down just one nothing early second period. A lot of time. Up the right-hand side, here's Jordan Everly. Busting through center, point-per-game player for his career against Columbus. In front, wrist shot, score! And just like that, Edmonton's tied it. Oscar Kleppbaum from the hash marks with his sixth of the year. And that was the Oilers' best scoring chance of the game, and it did go in. And it was the only one they got tonight. The Blue Jackets win it 3-1. They have won 16, 16 consecutive games. As we check your Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard quickly for the other action tonight, the Capitals outscore the Leafs 6-5 in overtime. Sabres beat the Rangers 4-1. Devils over the Hurricanes 3-1. Canadians and Predators are tied 1-1 in the third. Jets leading the Lightning 5-3 late. Kings and Sharks are about to face off. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. We have Tony on the line. Tony, go ahead. Hello. I was watching tonight's game, and I, for me, I see it as the Oilers and McClellan. People say, oh, McClellan's doing this bad, doing this bad. In a way, I do see how he's doing bad, but I just don't get why he can't make lines because the only way you can produce is chemistry, and the only way you can get chemistry is if you keep them on the same line. Tony, yes, I, Tony, I, yes, I know we were outshot twelve to four, but that doesn't mean push the line. Tony, I, I, I just want to bring something up here, and I want everybody to, to listen really closely. 
the next time the Oilers are beating a team 2-0 or 3-1, I want you to pay attention to what the other team coach, the other team's coach does to his lines. Okay? Okay. Because every, every, every team changes lines when they're behind in a game. I just, for me, and also the fact, you know, everybody's been talking about Pouliot and how bad he's been playing or whatever. I had an idea, and I've been looking at this for about the last two days. Sam Pouliot to Bakersfield, Oklahoma, wherever he, our affiliate team is, bring up somebody who is actually doing decent for the Condors. It's the only logical explanation because if we're waiting for next year for Las Vegas, we're done. Well, I don't well, think Las Vegas would claim him yeah, personally. But. Pouliot's not going to Las Vegas. And the player that you would call up from uh, ba- Bakersfield. Bakersfield is Anton Lander. Who, or Taylor Beck. Or Taylor Beck, who both players have been up here and did nothing. So, I mean, Benoit Pouliot's struggling. He is. And he has been all year long. They've tried everything they can do to get him going. They've tried promoting him. They've tried benching him. They've tried sitting him in the stands. Uh, he is not... He's not what we saw last year, and there he, he's had a short shelf life everywhere he's been. And unfortunately right now, Benoit Pouliot is struggling big time, and the Oilers desperately need him to snap out of it because they need to be able to find a third, a third line, and he would be uh, a left winger on that line, and right now they can't. Look, the, the, the bottom line is tonight, the, the Edmonton Oilers were beaten, and despite the fact that it was 3-1, which appears relatively close, they were beaten soundly by a, by a better hockey team. And in my mind, this shows everybody where the Edmonton Oilers need to get to. They, they are clearly improved this season than they have been in recent years. I know, Rob, you know, this is our fourth season together doing this, and you've done it for longer. I mean, a couple of years ago, you and I were saying they were probably 12 players away from competing for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Last year, we thought it was probably down to four or five. Now they are competing for a playoff spot. Now the next step is they're probably four or five players away from being a true contending team. And that means more depth on uh, up front, for, first of all. I, I mean, they have had some games where they have won, with two and a half lines playing well yep. up front because that's the way the league is. Sometimes you can win that way. When you play a team that is a true contender, which Columbus has become, and you have two and a half lines or less playing well, like tonight, you will get dominated. I mean, I, I don't think this is a let's rip everything apart oh, no. and trade everybody and blame Todd McClellan. I think this is a, a benchmark for the Oilers and the fans to see, okay, the team has improved, now the next notch, there's still some distance to get there. Well, if, if you're outside of Edmonton right now and are looking at this game tonight, this is a game that Columbus automatically wins. I mean, it's a team that's won 15 in a row, that's 26-5 and five on the season, against a team that's three or four games over 500 playing on the road. This is the game that Columbus should win. They're the better team, and they proved it tonight. So the Oilers have, have made huge strides, but the Oilers are not in the same league right now is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus is a much better hockey club and the record shows it. And and I think I mean for whether the people want to ask about uh, Pouliot or or Pouliot-Yarve being in the lineup or whoever I mean those are some of the positions that have to get rounded out. Right? You, you need more consistent contributors who don't make mistakes in, in intense games. 
The Oilers are able to survive those moments against lesser teams, not against the better teams. We have Kent on the line. Hi, Kent. Hi. Uh, it's a question about the right wing. Um, just, uh, I know that Rob played with uh, Lemieux, I guess, on the right wing. Is that right? Yep. And for a right winger, I guess you're a left shooter, right? Yep. On right wing, what do you think are the pluses and minuses of having right shooters versus left shooters? And how does that work with an elite center? Well, A, when you have an elite center, you want to be on the side that he faces. So normally, if, if, if it's a left-handed shooter, you want to be on the right-hand side just because he's looking at you more often. The advantages of being on your off-wing are, are mainly on the offensive zone. When you have the puck on your stick in the offensive zone, your stick is closer to the net. So you're in a better shooting angle when you're in the offensive zone. You're always set up for a one-timer in the offensive zone. So that's another huge advantage. The hardest part of being an off-wing in your, in your own zone is when the puck is rimmed hard around because you have to turn back to look at the puck coming around. You can't feel the defenseman coming, and it's harder to take the puck off the boards. Tonight, Pouliot was on his offside. A direct pass, it's better being on your off-wing because where Pouliot gets the puck, you've got good strength to be able to put the puck anywhere you want, and you can see the entire ice just the way you get the puck put on your stick. It was just a bad mistake there. But personally, me, I always like being on the offside way better than being on the my normal side. I was an offensive player, so I like the offensive side of it better, and I didn't really worry about the defensive side that much. All right, 3-1, the Blue Jackets knock off the Oilers. Here is Edmonton head coach Todd McClellan. Uh, the score in this game was the same as the score in the last game against Columbus, but did you feel like the games were similar as well? No, I thought we played better at home uh, against them, at least in the first half of the game. We got uh, to their pace at home. We didn't even come close to, to their pace or their uh, their tenacity, their relentlessness. Uh, we weren't anywhere near it, so um, no, we didn't. Was that them or was that you? Oh, uh, well, I think it's both. Uh, we're not capable yet of getting there. It was a great test for us. Uh, for me, that's a playoff-type environment, and we had some uh, some go-to people that were invisible. So we've got to get them up and running, and uh, they've got to understand that they, uh, you know, as, it, as we get further in um, and we get to where we want to go eventually, it's going to be a lot harder than that, and you got to show up. This is a team that you can't give a lot of gifts to, and their insurance goal was a gift. Yeah, yeah a gift. There's no... You, you said it. I don't know a better way of putting it. When you look at the power play, um, what did you kind of see there maybe from them and, and not see as much of from, from your team? Well, they, you know, there's the story within the story, the power play penalty kill, but I don't even think that matters that much. They were better in that area. It's it's the getting up to uh, to their level. We we weren't close to it. So we can't expect the, the special teams to perform at, at a high level if we're not doing it 5-on-5. Five five. All right. So let me do that. There's an unhappy Oilers head coach, Todd McClellan, 3 1, the Blue Jackets win, and he says we had some go to players who were invisible tonight. Well, well, it goes back to when Bob asked me which of the three centermen that I thought was the best tonight, and in all honesty, I really didn't notice any of them tonight. I don't think Connor had his best game. Uh, Leon and Nuge, I think Nuge had a couple moments, but not, I mean, to me, the best forward was Kajula. And if, and it's good for him. But if Drake's your best forward, you're, you're not going to win a lot of hockey games. So the Oilers, they, they, they'd been playing well as of late, 4-0-2 in their last six games. 
tonight was not a good game for them. And when you play average against a team that is good, this is normally the outcome. And, and the Oilers are probably are very fortunate to have it just a 3-1 outcome because I, I think that Columbus actually, this was a you know, a 5 or 6-1 hockey game that Cam Talbot prettied up a little bit. And we'll give uh, Cam Talbot, we'll, we'll let Talbot and Kajula share the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out mbauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. A lot more to get to. Steve, you're up next on the phone lines. Albert, Jason, and Mike, you're going to get in as well. It is 8-19. The Oilers fall 3-1 to the league-leading Columbus Blue Jackets. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. <laughs> Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. He'll gain the line. Hartnell waits, dishes, one-timer. What a save made by Cam Talbot. He got him with the right pad against Jack Johnson. And that saved the game right there for Edmonton. A lunging stop. Brilliant save by Cam Talbot with about 15 minutes left in the third. That's your save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot under fire tonight. The shot's 35-22 for the Blue Jackets. They win their 16th in a row, 3-1 over the Edmonton Oilers. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for joining us, 780-496-0063. And we have Steve on the line. Hello, Steve. Hey, Reed. Rob. Hello. Yeah, Reed, nice to hear you're the voice of reason tonight, at least you're attempting to be. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I also want to chime in on that uh, on that in a couple of brief comments. Uh, where, where did we finish last year? 29th in the league, buddy. Thank you very much. And it's been that way for darn near a decade. And where are we right now? Uh, I think 11th. Let me just see if anybody's passed them. Yes, they're 11th. Thank you very much. So we need some more pieces on the chessboard, and you're always going to get some hockey analysts phoning in and beaking off at you. That just comes with the territory. So let's talk about some positives. Um, If you could, I'm going to take my answer off air, but if you could please explain to me, or your listeners, not me, but the listeners, how this expansion draft could hurt us. Um, I mean, I understand they can't take Connor McDavid, but I have really no understanding about how Las Vegas can impact this team. And that's also... Uh, I'll also take the answer. If we lose, I don't know, what it, whatever it is, three to five players. No, they can only lose one. They can only what? lose one, Steve. Don't worry about that. They can only lose one, only lose one guy. Only one guy? Yeah. Well, that's a piece of cake. <laughs> but we don't oh, get to pick. Awesome. The fans don't get to pick. Las oh, Vegas gets oh, to pick. Oh, that's too bad because I know who I'd get them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thanks, thanks Steve. F- fair question. I, I, I think... And we're a ways away. We don't know how the roster is going to look. There's some speculation that Brandon Davidson could be exposed. Uh, there's some speculation that Tyler Pitlick could be exposed. Now, unfortunately, we're not going to see him play the rest of the season. Clearly, Benoit Pouliot, if he's still an Oiler, if he's not traded somehow, w- would be exposed. Though, again, Rob and I mentioned um, the uh, you know the I guess lack of value that that would have to Las Vegas, especially given the contract. I, I would think Rob the one name that fans might be upset to see go that could possibly go would be Brandon Davidson. Well, after the the breakout year that he had last year and how well he played and the fact that he's a young defenseman and the Oilers have been starved for young defensemen for a number of years, you don't want to see him leave. 
Um, I, I'm not exactly. I, 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 I'm almost like the caller calling in. No, you can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or, or you can protect eight skaters of any position and a goalie. And if you have two years or less experience, you don't have to be protected. So that's why McDavid doesn't have to be protected first. So that, that's the. So I mean, it, a team isn't going to get gutted. What they're going to lose is a player that is, you know, in your top, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven. That's where you're going to lose one of those players, and it's a depth player that you're going to lose, but something you don't want to give up. And it's it'll be interesting. I mean, Las Vegas—they've talked about it a number of times. They have these mock drafts. Yeah. What they think that the other teams are going to protect, not protect. Change every two. Yeah. yeah. They say, and they're having all kinds of mock drafts because they keep doing the different scenarios. It, it is going to be interesting. I think the league wants this team to be successful, and they're going to give them a running start by giving them better players to choose from than they have in the past. But this isn't—it's not going to gut the Oilers. Like we're thinking a Pitlick or a Davidson or someone of that like, which you don't want to lose either. But unfortunately, it's going to be one of those type of players that are going to be leaving and going to Las Vegas. All right, 3-1 Columbus wins tonight. Jason, you're up next on the phone lines. We also have a few other callers to get to as well. 3-1 Blue Jackets shoot down the Oilers. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime this Overline. This is Overtime Overline. Team Overline. Team Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 16 straight wins for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Two of those have been over the edge. Edmonton Oilers both by 3-1 finals. First on December 13th at Rogers Place. Tonight at Nationwide Arena, a game dominated by Columbus, outshooting the Oilers 35-22, scoring two more power play goals. They continue to have the number one power play unit in the entire NHL. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. One goal for the Oilers. That means a $25 donation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. You can follow the total for the season on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Rob, before we get back to the calls, what what is it, if, if I were to say to you, Rob, you got to sum up the Columbus Blue Jackets being this good in a, in a, in a Twitter in, in a tweet, yeah, 140 characters or less, how would you do it? Great depth, uh, solid defense. Their defense is solid. They move the puck well. Uh, excellent goaltending. They're well coached. They're disciplined. They don't take silly penalties. And work ethic. They've got a great work ethic. And they just, they just work you to death. They were the better. They won the battles today. The Oilers couldn't compete with them. A lot of speed, too. I mean, they, when, they, when they make a decision to do something, they do it. Well, the, their fourth line is they, they go with Hartnell and Gagne on their fourth line. Hartnell's now. played over 1,000 games. And, and Sam's been around 650 this, tonight. Yeah, and they've got Gagne's got 28 points, and Hartnell's got 22 points. That's their fourth line. They've only got one player on the team that's minus, is Harkonnen, who I don't even know who he is, and he doesn't play. He's only played five games. So they, they, they understand both ends of the rink very well. They they don't give you chances. I mean, we talk, you were just talking with me about, you know, which Connor McDavid, Leon, Nuge, you didn't notice them out there. Well, you didn't notice them because they were giving the puck away. You just didn't notice them. Yeah. They just completely shut them down. We have Jason on the line. Hi, Jason. Thanks for calling. How's it going, guys? Love the show. Thanks. Uh, just an observation I've noticed. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, Bob Hartley had the Calgary Flames playing 60 minutes of hockey, playing the hearts out. Years before that, Elaine Vigneault in Vancouver had that Team Vancouver as the President's Trophy team. Sure. Playing the hearts out 60 minutes. 
John Tortorella steps in and they don't play for him. They don't play 60 minutes. Then he goes to Columbus and the team buys in and they're playing 60 minutes of hockey and he doesn't have to throw anyone under the bus. Yet we look at the Oilers and I know Todd's a great coach, but it doesn't seem like the team is buying into what he's selling and he has to night after night throw them under the bus. just want to know your comments on whether you think that the Oilers are buying into what Todd sells. Absolutely, I do, and they say it all the time. And Mark Letestu made a comment on the weekend. He said, you know what, last year was almost like an orientation year. We had to figure some things out. Todd and the players got used to each other. Uh, Milan Lucic has talked about their, their game plan and uh, them being organized and, and trying to trying to stick to it. Yes, I, I do think the team is very much doing the best that they can to follow uh, Todd McClellan, for sure. So, so then you must think that we need to get rid of more players and bring in new players? Well, we've, Rob and I said that earlier. They're probably, four or five, they're probably four or five players away from going from where they are now, which is a team that can contend for the playoffs, to being a team that can contend to be in the upper echelon of the league. I mean, this, this is a team that was 29th in the league last year that hasn't well, made they, the playoffs for 10 years. Lot. It's improved a lot. I mean, this was a bad hockey club. I mean, if you, yep. it, it was, if, yeah, it's just, it was a bad team that is now. You have, to, you have to admit they still can't play 60 minutes of hockey, right? Well, they're 11th in the National Hockey League. That means there's 19 teams that are behind them in the National Hockey League. Or 20. How many teams are in the league now? 31? Uh, 30. 30, yeah. 30, yeah, 30, yeah I was right. Yet, I was Rob. right. So there's <laughs> ni- they're better than 19 teams right now. Oh, no. They're, they, they are doing well. It's just, it, it just. I mean, we all wanted to see 60 minutes of hockey this year, and it just seems that we're still not getting the full team giving their full effort. Yeah. And the, is the, that a more a Peter Shirelli thing to fix or a Todd? Well, okay, two things on that one. A, this team need they they the the, co- or the GM needs to find different players. This is not a sold a solid team yet. I mean, you can anyone that's listening tonight or anyone that watched the game, they knows which which players they need to, to to improve on. They need to get better with. So there's got to be trades. There's got to be acquisitions. And the other. Sometimes you're a little harder on your own team because you see them all the time. Right. If you're in Anaheim, you're going to be sitting there after an Anaheim game going. See, they don't play 60 minutes all the time. If you're in St. Louis, oh, they, they, I mean, they, when are they going to put 60 minutes together? It's because we see them all the time that we judge them harder, and we see another team come in here like Columbus tonight and beat us. You say, well, Columbus plays 60, but I'm sure. Oh, well, maybe not Columbus, but I'm sure Anaheim, San Jose, L.A., all these other teams, coaches are going to go. You know what? We're not consistent enough. We don't put together 60 straight minutes. So the Oilers are just like all those other teams, and we see them more often. So we judge them harder than all the other teams. But there's very few teams that put together consistent 60-minute nights, night after night after night. Those teams are the teams that are perennial champion-type teams, and the Oilers are nowhere near there yet. 3-1, Columbus wins it tonight. 780-496-0063. Here's Alan on the line. Hey, Alan. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Alan. I just have uh, two two points. Uh, first one would be uh, uh, I've seen the Oilers, uh, someone like uh, get into a fight, whether it be Cassian or, or uh, Maroon, and uh, you get no response from the team at all. They don't seem to get any jump out of it. My second point is, when are they going to set Pouliot in the press box? Because uh, peewee hockey, you're always taught, I, at least I, when I coached, I thought, you don't go up the middle of the ice, especially with a no-look pass. So he was the direct cause for that goal. And then on the penalty kill, he was uh, below the top of the circle. 
I thought you're supposed to leave yourself two steps up, two steps back, so you can get to the player. They're not aggressive, and they're not they're not aggressive, and they're in the wrong position. And I think Kuliar needs to be sat down for five games. Bring somebody up that's going to play. Well, thanks, Alan. He's been a healthy scratch before this season, and, uh, I mean, it could happen again for sure. Columbus over the Oilers, 3-1. It's 8:39. Quick timeout. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre, this is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Atkinson on the power play in the first period. Clefbaum is sixth of the season for the Oilers in the second period, but Carlson got it right back for Columbus on the power play. And then in the third, Felino unassisted off a Pouliot turnover. That was it for the scoring. Blue Jackets have won 16 straight. They beat the Oilers 3-1. We have Junior on the line. Junior, thanks for calling. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Good. Keep up the great job. My question is, why did the Oilers shoot the puck more? It's like every shot they take is a wrist shot. That is a good question. Slap shot. <laughs> that might be the best question tonight. Yeah, it, it, I honestly I don't know. I mean, I was a guy that I shot from everywhere. It was funny. There's about four or five times tonight where the Oilers had the puck, bad angles, and they had, but they had the opportunity to throw the puck on net, and they didn't. And to me, if if you got the opportunity, if if there's someone wide open, pass it to him. If there's not someone wide open, throw it at the goalie's feet. Because, and I've said this a lot of times with Reed. The rebound, the first person that knows where the rebound is, is the offensive player because the defensive player's got his back to the puck. The goalie doesn't know where the rebound's going when it comes from an odd angle because he's not set up properly and you've turned it into a scoring chance. And sometimes the others tonight, they, they, they would force a pass or they turn it back into the corner when, if it's me, fire the puck on net because a lot of bad goals go in and we saw one tonight as Atkinson tonight threw one in front, hits two Oilers, goes in the net. You can never make a bad play by putting the puck towards the net. Yeah, Junior, I, I think exactly. I think the answer in tonight's game is that they didn't have the puck enough. <laughs> uh, but I, but I think, you know, I mean, look at look at a look at a couple of guys who uh, are are considered to be overachieving by the Oilers by fans this season for the Oilers. One, Mark Letestu. He actually shoots quite a bit for the amount that he yeah, plays, he and when he's on the power play, he'll yeah. often just throw it into the crease. Right, so he's right. got seven, eight goals because he's just willing to fire the puck. Exactly. And sure. Another question, guys, is what I'm the grabber tonight? Healthy scratch right. because Secra came back. You, you got to be kidding! I mean, he's the guy that could go in the corners and win the puck the way those guys forecheck, and he's on the. Healthy scratch. Uh, you know, Gribe has struggled last game, and they had to pull someone out. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I know that Bob Stoffer was talking about it. He thinks that Davidson could get pulled out next game. There might be a three a three man rotation between Gribe, Benning, and Davidson if they're all healthy, to make sure that one of them sits out, and then they just keep rotating them that way, depending on who they're playing, how they're playing against. I, I would expect playing against Boston, who's typically bigger, that Gribe would be in that, since that's the style of game he likes to play. We're going to make more shots or adjustment of the game oh, for next one. game against Boston mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. I guess to be fair, we should say then there are some instances like Leon Dreisaitl last game against Vancouver where you're thinking, why didn't he shoot? And then a split second later, he set up Connor McDavid back doors. We're not going to argue with Leon because he's, <laughs> he's smarter than us. All right, uh, I, I I know this. I know you called before, and I got your name wrong, so I'm going to try it again, buddy. Sartosh, is that your name? No, it's Sartosh. Sir Sartosh. Yeah, uh, Sartosh. 
Oh, Wait, I want to try. I want to try because Sir Taj. Yes. Yeah. All right. One nothing me. All right. What's on your mind? So I have for quite a few things. So first, um, um, it was it, it was about uh, um, so Patrick Lanny's own goal, right? So um, remember Patrick Kane last last year or it was last year? Sorry, Patrick. You talking about Patrick Laine's own goal that that no, he? Uh, Patrick Kane's own goal against Edmonton. No, you mean Pat, Patrick Laine had the own goal? The the, the no, Patrick, player. Uh, no, Patrick Kane, like uh, last last year. I don't remember it, but anyway, that's okay. What's what's on your mind about it? So um, I was just asking for your guys' reaction because Patrick uh, Kane was trying to pass to Duncan Keith or whoever was on the blue line. And it just hit off the boards and went in his own net. I honestly don't remember that. I, I'm so, I'm sorry, buddy. Against and, uh, the Oilers? Uh, he, he, no. Yes, yes. I was against the Oilers. Oh, wasn't it a couple years ago in Chicago? Yeah. Uh-huh. It was yeah. I, I think it was a couple years ago. I think it was in the was sil- six, silly game. game. Yeah, the yeah, six okay. five game. You're right. And yeah. he and he tried passing it back. The they had pulled their goalie because I think the Oilers were getting a penalty and he shot it back into his own net. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, was Good it wasn't that game? Jan Denis or Dubnik got hurt and Denis yep. had to come in something like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then um, it was kind of it was kind of weird because uh, you don't see Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tate scoring so many own goals. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> They both are stars. Did they? Well, yeah. Did they both are um, pretty good. They're probably going into the Hall of Fame. Right on, buddy. Thanks a lot for calling. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Quick timeout. Oilers lose three one in Columbus. Canadian Brew House overtime, overtime line. From the overline. Terry Perenich Team Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. All right, the Oilers now 19-13-7 on the season. The Columbus Blue Jackets are one win away from tying an NHL record for the longest winning streak. And they will try to do that Thursday at Washington, who won a wild 6-5 overtime game over the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. All right, guys, you, uh, we got three callers here. We got a minute for each guy. We'll start with Furchato. Go ahead. Hey, um, I want to make this quick. I just want to say thank you to you guys for being so patient with callers that call in and question the coach's decision. I mean, this is Tom McCall. This is an experienced coach. But hats off to the Columbus Blue Jackets. They were great. And the Edmonton Oilers just weren't weren't at their best. The Edmonton Oilers at their best could have beaten this game, but they weren't. Every team has its ups and downs, and this was one of the downs for the Edmonton Oilers. And I, I believe next game they will come back and bounce back and have a great game. Yeah, thanks a lot for calling. Fair summary, the, the Oilers did not play their best tonight. They also played a really good team, so that adds up to 35-22 in shots. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Oilers, the way they played tonight, if this was uh, the Florida Panthers or, or the Arizona Coyotes, you know, maybe it's a different outcome. But an average game against a good team, you're normally on the, the losing end. All right, we got Scott on the line. Scott, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. A couple questions. Pooley uh, Arvey, just wondered your thoughts on whether he would benefit from some time down on the farm. And a quick follow-up question on the expansion draft. Are teams allowed to make deals, for instance, if uh, Edmonton wanted to 
see Pouliot go on that? Would they be able to pick up some of his salary or yeah, offer ve- things in exchange? Vegas can make trades. I don't think they're allowed yet. I don't know if they've announced the date, but they will be allowed to make trades. And uh, as for Pouliot to the minors, Rob? Uh, yes, I, I would have him go somewhere and play. I mean... Tonight, would Pugliarvi play tonight? He got a... Didn't play in the second yeah, period. nine minutes total. And, I mean, this has been average for him as of late. He's either been in the press box or the games that he's played. He hasn't played much. And there's nothing wrong with going to the minors. There, there isn't. Uh, going down there, gain your confidence, play, play well, feel good about yourself, and come back up and start playing a regular shift. But having him sitting or, or not playing in any important situations I don't think is helping him. So, yes, I agree that uh, minors would help him. All right, we have James on the line as well. Hi, James. Hey, Reed. Happy New Year to both you and Rob. Uh, anyways, first of all, uh, we sure missed Pitt like and as per the first caller in the segment, uh, I'm going to play armchair coach. I agree with you guys. It's time for uh, Pugliarvi to go down and play, uh, you know, top six, 15, 18 minutes power play. And I think we should uh, sit uh, Pugliot and move Cassian up to the third line and put uh, Lander between uh, Latestu and, uh, and Hendricks. No, everything you said there made sense and uh, would not shock me if that was to come to fruition. But, yeah, I, Pouliot has struggled, and I, I do believe that Lander will probably be in the lineup next game, and if you got to pull someone out, it's probably going to be Pouliot or Pugliarvi is my guess. Yeah, and I think yep. that, and I mean, Pouliot made an egregious turnover. You know, and sometimes those happen, but I think a lot of the frustration with Pouliot is there are games he doesn't seem overly engaged in the puck battles, too, and I thought yeah, that was... But- he was really, like Pooley Arby has to go down, you know, get used to the North American game and, and stuff like that. He, he's he's just got he's just got to play. He, he just needs to play hockey. And, and I've been a young player in the National Hockey League. I was sent to Russia with the World Juniors because I wasn't playing much. And I gained so much confidence playing over there. I came back and I got a regular shift and it made a world of difference. Confidence is huge. And I don't think Pooley Arby has a whole lot of confidence in his game right now simply because things haven't gone well for him. Go to the minors, play well, gain your confidence and come back and finish the year. James, thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. One final look at the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. The Jets outscore the Lightning 6-4. The Canadians win in overtime 2-1 over the Predators. Shea, Weber had a goal. Yeah, Shea Weber's return to Nashville is a successful one. Also tonight, it is the Kings and the Sharks. Uh, how come they don't have a score for this? It, one, last I, I just saw it was 0-0 after there, 1. There we go. Now it's updated. Thank you, Rob. Sabres beat the Rangers 4-1. Devils over the Hurricanes 3-1. Caps beat the Maple Leafs 6-5. In overtime. Some kid named Ovechkin scores the game winner in we'll overtime. keep an eye on him. We'll he he, might, he might be a player. He may be able to blossom. Rob, good show tonight, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. Looking forward to a fun one against the Bruins. Columbus has won 16 in a row. Don't forget that. Sole possession of the second longest streak in the history of the NHL. The Oilers will visit the Boston Bruins on Thursday. We'll have it for you on 630 Ched with the face-off show starting at 3.30. The game will start at 5. You can get more on this game, more post-game reaction by going to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Thanks to our studio producer tonight, Kellen Kennedy. Blue Jackets 3, Oilers 1. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. 